I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rye House Cartway, the venue for the next Missed Apex Karting Day and live podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt. Two rumpets. How's it going there, Matt? Oh, it's going pretty good today. How about yourself? I'm having a great time. Let's hope this show goes lovely and smooth. But we should say before that that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before our Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm also joined by Chris No underscore Stevens. What? No underscore? Yeah, ditched it. You ditched it completely voluntarily and not because you were crying because the bigger kids made fun of you for having an underscore in your Twitter handle. I mean, that was part of it, but there's also there are other reasons behind it, including um, position switches, etc. Boring stuff, but hopefully that will get more exciting in the future. Also, all lies. It was pure peer pressure. You have caved. You have the breaking strength of a 45-year-old Kit Kat. We're also joined by relative newcomer, Sarah Nichol. Thanks for coming back. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, I wasn't entirely sure I'd actually be invited back, but, you know, glad to be here. Literally no one else was available, so it's your lucky day. No, only kidding. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, We've got a bit of admin first, though, haven't we, Matt? Uh, If you have zero interest in the three upcoming opportunities to hang out with missed Apex people, then just skip forward a few minutes. But first of all... I have an apology to Matt because Matt, you're over here with your family in February and you'd put aside a day where we could do events. I tried everything I possibly could. I just couldn't make that date work. So apologies. I have an event lined up for you, Matt. It's just not when you're here. 
Yeah, I know. It was um, shocking to me how difficult it was, considering that these dates existed in like October to actually make something happen for the entire week. I convinced my entire family to come over solely as an excuse to do a Mr. Apex event. And somehow it's not quite going to happen. Although we could talk if people want to hang out on the day we'd originally set aside. We could we could arrange a meetup for people if they want. But the official Mist Apex event that, well, you know, was the pretext for this whole trip apparently is just not possible to happen from a logistical and survivability point of view. It's mostly that I'm not free. So that was going to be February 23rd, which is a Saturday. If you still want to hang out with Matt at that time, uh, get in touch with us at spannersready at gmail.com or get in touch with Matt on on Twitter as well. We can organize something. Uh, But we are still hanging out, Matt. I'm still seeing you. You and I and your family are going to go and watch Mrs. Spanners at a live gig. So that's going to be pretty cool. And without giving too much away, we're also going to have some private track time in a race-adapted road car, so it's not like we're not getting our bro hang time. No, no, I am so looking forward to that. And the the event that I tried to arrange for you is happening, and I'm going to invite you to it now. It's on the 16th of March at Simply Race in Milton Keynes, and that is a sim racing venue. It'll cost you £30, and it will start at 4pm, and we're going to do heats and a final on 15 high-performance sim rigs linked up to three 40-inch screens each. So they're all that three-monitor setup with these huge screens, and that will probably be followed by a live podcast and definitely a beer with us. Spaces are very limited at the moment, so if you're interested in that and you want to at least get on my radar and my contact list, Get in touch with me at spannersready at gmail.com or any social media platform. Just search Spanners Ready. Now, the last opportunity to hang out with us is we're going down to Rye House on April the 20th for our Missed Apex live karting and live podcast. So do get in touch with me by the same methods for that. But this Tuesday, we are scoping the place out and doing sound checks. And while we're there, we're also going to do a little bit of go-karting as well. So if you want to come and join us after work, after working hours at Rye House this Tuesday, that'll be Tuesday the 20-somethingth, get in touch as well. All right, then. Let's move on to the... Big Dirty News. All right, let's roll over to Matt Trumpets to find out what's going on in the world of F1 news. Well, I figured I'd be helpful to everybody and start out the big dirty news with things that are actual facts and not mere speculations and whispers. Things like car release dates. Did you know that the cars are about to be released? I mean, we're barely two weeks away from the first of them, which is the Toro Rosso, Monday, February 11th. You can see that one online. Renault, the following day at Endstone. Racing Point, which is what we will call now Force India for the rest of the year, Racing Point, uh, February 13th in Canada, Toronto, that is, at the auto show there. And then McLaren on the 14th, which is Valentine's Day. And yes, I spelled I spelled it American. Don't at me for that. Uh, Ferrari, February 15th, Marinello. And Sauber, February 18th, right before testing begins. And I thought I'd put the testing dates in, but I don't see them. There's some time in February. In fact, Chris Stevens, I'm sure you're all, all over that. Uh, what do we what do we expect from the the launches? Because sometimes it's these big glamorous affairs like McLaren had one a couple of years ago when they announced the orange car and everybody was around there and clapping and they were saying, you know, this is our championship winning year. Whereas Red Bull kind of 
take a few photos once they're at the venue and they have far more of a sneaky kind of launch. So I'm fully expecting some sort of camo pattern Red Bull to appear in the next few weeks. Yeah, they're not uh, huge events a lot of the time, are they, car launches? They're all very PR, uh, a little bit dull sometimes, uh, depending on kind of who you get. Usually you get some some nice sponsorship announcements. So hopefully we'll get some more details about Force India's name and uh, if the management structure has, has changed at all or w- what's going on uh, there in s- some more details. Um, we'll get a first proper look at um, the new front wings, which would be very, very nice. Usually teams tend to cheat by just taking their previous car and sticking on enough new bits on the car to make it look a little different so that tech nerds can look at look at it and go, look at that little little bit there, but this is kind of incomplete. And then we wait for them to to stick all the new bits on, which I imagine is just going to be a lot of 2018 cars with 2019 front wings on them. No, surely, Matt. Surely you've had your fingers in enough tech journalists' pies. Hang on, that's safe. That is safe for work to to know whether we're expecting any kind of revolution. But as Chris says, you don't get to see a lot from the testing. It's not like they have all their aero things there. Why would they invite the world's press to have a look at their strategy? No, it's just exciting. You get the general idea of the shape of the car and probably half the parts are still made out of cardboard and spray painted at the last second. Okay, so I guess that's all we've got to say about launch dates and launches it's it's one of those things it signifies the start of the f1 season matt but it's not it's a bit of a non-event isn't it yeah it is aside from the excitement like i said of just seeing the new cars and and getting excited about the season there's not a ton that can be gleaned from careful examination of the photos partly because they won't necessarily use all of their parts as you said and partly because a lot of times well, you know, if, if we go back and think about the McLaren thing that was on um, Amazon, a lot of times they're just simply not ready to go yet. And so they have to just fake it, as it were, for the global press. OK, so what we're going to do is we're going to carry on with a bit of news, Chris, and then we'll do some driver stuff. We'll continue our driver awards. And this will be the week where we yell at each other about Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. Thankfully, Eddie Irvine has given us some things to to kick us off. Uh, did you have one more thing on car launches, Chris, before we move on? Well, I was going to say we usually get driver announcements, but that's all done for the for this season already. So maybe we'll get some juicy third driver announcement. Oh, wow. Please. Let's see. Let's see which drivers stumped up some money for a couple of days out in a Formula One car. And the next news item, let's throw over to Sarah. And by the way, Sarah, can I just take this opportunity to say how much I appreciate the effort you've put into your rig and your sound quality and your camera angle? Jeansy just does this sat on the ground with an iPad. Well, you know, I think everyone can agree that a nested table upside down as a as a rack to hold the Surface Pro is, you know, it, you know, it's it's using what you've got to hand. Improvise, adapt, and overcome. Okay, who said the rest that? Of the chat stuff room? I already had. All right, well, tell us about your news item about viewing figures. So, I guess so. My background for the people who don't really know me uh, is I work a little bit in the media industry. It's more on the kind of commercial business side, so not so much in the creative bit. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm not an expert, but uh, I am interested in viewing figures and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that's come out um, more on the business press in terms of TV industry rather than in autosport has been some new viewing figures. Um, 
Um, one of the things they've highlighted a lot this year has been around uh, growth in some of the newer markets. So uh, Indian subcontinent grew 87% in terms of unique uh, unique viewing figures, which is kind of massive. I have questions yeah. already. I already yeah. have questions. So what what kind of viewing figures are these? Is this like Nelson where they go around surveying people? Or is this from like online view accounts? Are the people watching it using the apps? Are people using it watching mainstream TV? So the digital platforms, they're still developing a method- methodology for those. Um, what they're doing is using unique viewers. So it will be a combination of reported streams. So there's a lot of individual uh what you might call consultancies that gather these figures and they'll have aggregated those from across a load of different countries um, to bring these figures together. So this is coming probably coming out of their new research arm, which is something they spent a lot of money on last year as well. So uh, let me just see. And I think something that interested Chris as well. So a lot of discussions about how good Monaco was this year. Really? yeah remember you remember how what everyone thought about it we were all you know a little bit tired guess which one has got the highest cumulative audience of the season globally go on then chris get your incorrect opinion out of the way it was monaco baby yeah (laughs) can't sit there and tell me that they should ditch monaco from the calendar when it is the most viewed race again they should definitely 100% ditch Monaco from the calendar or make it into a proper racing track. Now then, so where do we think these viewing figures have come from? Do we think it's because I'm just really wrong and everyone goes, oh, wow, look at the amazing way they all line up behind each other for year after year? Or do we think that they they themselves promote Monaco as this jewel in the crown? It's because Monaco is the jewel in the crown, as you say. It's one of the triple crown. Oh, it's don't, the oh. Monaco- <laughs> Triggered, triggered. (laughs) It's the most famous Formula One race. So it kind of makes sense that that's the one most people, you'll get the most casual fans viewing in. Okay, Sarah, my thing is that's bad. Okay, if if most people are are watching this by some weird default, they're not getting a good opinion of F1. Yeah, well, I mean, if we go into the other, so that was, Monaco had, like, they talk about cumulative audience which is kind of number of people dropping in, dropping out throughout the race as well. So that's not necessarily saying someone sat down and watched it all end to end. So I think in terms of people are more likely to have tuned into that one, probably right. But it's still that 110 million unique, like cumulative viewers. Um, the they, There are other races that have over 90 million. They don't talk about any others being over a million, which they would if they were there. You can safely say the the other races, so Bahrain, France, Austria, Great Britain, Italy, and Mon- Mexico, not Monaco, Mexico, are the other high high viewership races. And that Do makes you- a lot of sense, yeah. really, doesn't it? They were they, a they were quite entertaining races. They're kind of the classics, the ones people m- m- most know about. Um, I think, but I think if you're only watching Monaco, if you only sat down and watched a few minutes in Monaco, and you're not watching the other races, come watch the other races. There are much better ones. Out there are much more entertaining. W- races. Would you say Please. all of the races are better, Chris? Because I no. would. <laughs> no, Literally I would all not. of there them. Been... Spanners, there have been some truly awful races this season. Monaco was not one of them. All right then, Sarah. So, what what is our overall picture here? F one more popular than ever. 
I think the overall picture here is that they're giving themselves reason to hold on to their rights. So we know that they're pushing for Formula One app, the, the Formula One TV. Um, the growth in China was um, put down to their free-to-air uh, return to their free-to-air TV over there. And that that's had massive growth. And I think we can just see maybe a little bit of a drift away from the kind of core heartlands of Formula One just because they are able to grow their audiences in these other territories. And for them, it's all about having content and having control of the content. It's not necessarily about ad revenue. It's about the content pipeline itself, which is a little bit businessy. Yes, I don't understand any of that. But let's smile and wave. And Chris, you say things. (laughs) Um, I find the social media statistics really, really interesting mm. because it says in the report that it's like that the fastest growing major sport on social media might have something to do with the fact that they didn't discover hashtags until 2015, <laughs> which like, coincided with <laughs> so late to the party on social media. No wonder it's growing so fast. Some great comments from the chat room, by the way. Hello to the live chat. You can come and join us when we record this live. You're not getting the same polished article you get when Uncle Steve gets hold of the video and makes it look really pretty. Or when I sit here and edit out all the terrible and awful things that the kids say uh, during the recording. However, you can join us by searching for Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube and you can join in with the live chat. Uh, They're talking about Monaco. Monaco is boring. Monaco needs a loop at the swimming pool, says Roger Coolen. Uh, Josh Covey says, agreed with Matt when Matt said that Monaco needs a jump. Sam Watley says, send the cars through the swimming pool and we can talk. And European suggests that Monaco needs a teleport gate. Uh, the last comment we'll read is from Kadenath Aya. If Monaco's boring, you can look at the beautiful scenery around. A boring Abu Dhabi and you may want to switch the channel. Have we said all that we want to say? about social no. media and such things? Or shall we go back to Sarah? Back to Sarah. I, I have one more point, which I think is the great one, on who had the uh, the scenery. Uh, was that in European? Kedanar. Uh, Kedanar. So I think that's an absolute great point. And I think that's one of the reasons that um, our classics kind of stand out on TV. You watch Monaco and even me and yeah, I love the sport and I've been watching, I've been watching as a youngster. I've gotten back into it more recently as an adult. You turn Monaco on, you know it's Monaco. And I think one of the problems with a lot of the other tracks for getting new viewers in is you can't tell, like watching watching um, Santiago with the Formula E. I wouldn't know where it was if someone hadn't told me. You know, it, whereas Monaco, it is instantly recognisable. Now you're right. And this is the one thing I like about Monaco. When you turn it on, you can't mistake it for a race you're actually going to enjoy. It highlights itself. Uh, it's just like at Christmas time, when normally you can't tell who the idiots in your street are. But when Christmas rolls around, suddenly they illuminate their homes to advertise it. All right, then, Matt, presumably you want to talk about Renault or some such thing. Do you need me to play the bumper to buy you some time? I'm going to assume yes. Dirty news. No, ladies and gentlemen, that wasn't a highly paid northern actor that I hired to do that big dirty news bumper. That was me. That's right, because every advert sounds a bit like Sean Bean on radio at the moment. So you have to be able to do a northern accent in order to continue being employed. Matt, have I stalled enough? Should we talk news? Yes, let's. And now the next story is primarily because it's just going to be impossible for me to talk about tires. So I've chosen instead to talk about business. Aww. 
Specifically, I, I, I didn't mute my mic for that, did I? Okay, sorry, carry on. Uh, no, that's okay. It was thoroughly expected. Now, specifically, we have said sayonara to Carlos Gozan as head of Renault Nissan. Okay, you're not going to get into like share prices and things, are you here, Matt? Just tell us how that actually affects F1. No, I, what I was going to do is tell you that the original plan was for all uh, both Renault Nissan and Mitsubishi to become a single traded stock. And that of the three companies, Renault um, had a $35.4 billion valuation and brought in $72.4 billion of revenue. Nissan was valued at $43.5 billion, brought in $108.4 billion in revenue. And Mitsubishi was just sort of hanging in there at $10.5 billion valuation and $17.6 billion revenue. No one I cares. was going to tell you no that, but cares. I won't tell you that now. Okay, good, because no one cares about that. <laughs> I but actually I, get emails. From now on, I'm just forwarding all the emails to you that complain about Matt. I've been protecting you until this point. No, I, I appreciate that. Uh, the crucial bit of information that, that I discovered in getting ready for the show was that they all cross-owned stock in each other, but the Nissan ownership of Renault's stock was without any kind of voting rights. And as you will refer back to the numbers that I didn't say on air, you will also discover that they had the most money, they brought in the most revenue, and they were the biggest piece of this puzzle. This led to lots of, well, hard feelings, for lack of a better word. But what's crucial to understand is that the projected combined savings, well, the, the combined savings in, uh, of this alliance was projected to be 5.7 billion euros across Nissan and Renault. Why does that matter? Because who pays for motorsport? Don't know. Oh, that, those revenues pay for motorsport. And in terms of actual impact on Formula One, uh, Thierry Koskis was originally set to replace Jerome Stoll as head of Renault's sporting division, which oversees the Renault F1 program. Now Jerome Stoll has stayed on, and instead Koskis has left the company entirely with no comment. And as far as the merger or the fate of the alliance going forward, we simply don't know yet. They haven't said if it's going to go on as planned, if it's going to sort of stay the way it is. But what is important is they will lose a lot of money untangling it. And that's what we have to be on the lookout for. Hmm. So it's short, not short, long term, not short term. Mm, I agree wholeheartedly, Chris. What is your opinion? I, I think it's interesting that uh, Gozen was uh, a man that was a big fan of the Formula One project. He was the one that really was pushing it forward. And uh, in, in uh, the end of 2015, when Renault bought the Lotus team, you know, he was the one really pushing for that. And there was a quote on Autosport saying, we either go in 100% or we pull out 100%. You know, He didn't want to just dip the toe in the water of F1. He wanted to either commit or just get out of there. Um, that said, the thought on his departure is that it's not really going to affect the Formula One team all that much. Um, they could be in a position where they're having to pay more money to get into F1 for an entry because the more points you score, the more money you pay to get in the next season. Uh, and if supposedly if they're you know closing the gap to the top three teams, they're going to be scoring more points. Um, but that's a natural cause and effect of being in Formula One anyway. So in terms of uh, the F1 team, I don't think much is going to change. As long as we maintain the status quo, which is why I said this is a long-term thing to watch, not a short-term thing to watch. If the alliance comes apart, those savings go down the drain, then it could be a very different story. 
for their Formula One effort. But if they maintain the alliance as is or continue with a the merger, then I think you're correct. We probably won't see a huge long-term impact. Well, what's interesting in this whole scenario, it's been the three of them meeting together, hasn't it? It hasn't just been Nissan. It hasn't just been Renault doing one thing or the other. It's been all three of them making decisions together. And there was an interesting quote in Autosport again, actually, that actually it's probably brought the three of them closer together. So in terms of the alliance breaking up, I, I don't see that as a, as a threat. Well, it looks like those two have stopped talking now. So I'm going to tell you how you can get in touch with us on social media. You'll have to turn your phone on. Turn your phone on. You can get in touch with us on social media with me personally by searching Spanners Ready everywhere. On Twitter, you can go for Missed Apex F1. And we like it when you email us. If you want to email me directly, go for SpannersReady at gmail.com. You can also comment on our website, www.missedapexpodcast.com. Let's go on with some more news. Big Dirty News. Big news for Formula One fans. This is one that I am really excited about. And Sarah, I'm sure you will join me as a true F1 fan, as all true F1 fans will, in celebrating the fact that testing will be televised this year. How are you celebrating then? Well, I, I'm celebrating it by being happy about it. Just just by being happy? Yes, yeah. I'm sorry if that was okay. unclear. So I'm celebrating yeah. it and I'm happy that it's finally back because they used to show testing all the time. I, I would love to sit in there and uh, just, you know, be in a pub and request them to have it on in the background and things like that. Surely every F1 fan is interested in seeing some testing, seeing some cars on track pre-season. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's which fans, we're going to say, because again, their big fans. thing is new fans. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, the new fans I might think. tune into testing. Uh, Matt, but you'll be watching it, won't you? Oh, yeah. I'll be taking the entire two weeks off and laying in a supply of whiskey, beer and cigars. And I will spend delightful hours staring at a completely empty track, messaging <laughs> furiously with everybody I know about every sound. We'll be reviewing each cockpit video for gear shifts for the least clue to how they will be doing this season see that sounds like it might be sarcastic but it's not is it matt that is genuinely true i am just entirely excited about I, that. I would say that anyone who's not excited about having f1 testing on is just the worst kind of fan chris are you looking forward to testing being on tv i mean you're not it, are you don't be honest no no it's not that i mean it's fine i have sky f1 anyway so it's not gonna change anything for me I mean, yeah, I'll be able to see what happens in a little bit more detail, but it's not like I was thinking, man, testing coverage is really poor. You know, there was, you find out anything that needs to happen anyway through other means. It doesn't have to be televised. I think if you, you, you need to pay just to watch testing, if you're, if you don't have Sky F1, you need to either buy F1 TV Pro or a Sky F1 subscription just to watch wait a minute how, how are you how are you watching f1 if you don't have sky no i do have sky that's my point right. but if yeah. you don't right but then i also yeah but you need to be able to do that if you want to watch testing and i think you get all these people saying 
that why isn't testing televised? Once you actually give them what they want, they will change their minds because testing is 40% nothing. Sarah. Point was, I'm almost more excited about it to see the commentary and excitement from fans like Matt's who are sitting there gleefully, you know, looking forward to and finding things to talk about that I would just never be able to see. And that kind of insight. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not necessarily looking forward to doing it nonstop myself, I think is the way I'd put it. The thing is, you will find the people, you know, they're doing reporting for, for testing anyway, offering that kind of information. I would love to see Spanners. If you could sit down and watch an entire day of testing and not at any point think I'm a little bit bored, then I will concede. I will 100% concede. Then go and do that for the remaining seven days of testing. You're not you're not saying anything entirely unfair. And Sam Watley has agreed with you. And Sam Watley, by the way, is our iRacing, Mr. Apex iRacing coordinator. He's done a great job with the few events lately. Uh, get in touch with us still. Not too late to get involved in that. I think we're doing them monthly at the moment. Sam Watley says, hang on, Spanners will watch testing, but not Monaco. All right, firstly, I do watch Monaco because I've got to sit here and report on it. I just think it's a bit weird. But the expectation, Matt, for testing is completely different to the expectation of a Grand Prix, isn't it? I can reduce my expectation for testing because... I'm not expecting a Grand Prix style weekend. For Monaco with a Grand Prix style weekend, it's a little bit harder to take. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you are going to watch testing and you've never watched anything like it before, then your best your best expectation would really be like free practice with less running. They drive around, they there will be the occasional thing catching on fire or driving into a wall. But, you know, you're not going to be able to tell a whole lot about the competitive order from free practice one. And and that's very much what testing is. And I just want to chuck in there our friend Paul Wright from the chat room saying, I would watch testing all day because it beats refreshing websites every seven seconds, which in the past is how we kept track of testing people at the site, live tweeted it or had a live ticker. And you would have to refresh and follow that to get lap times and know what's going on. Best of all, and I'll, 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 I'll throw it to Chris here in a second, is you know that the video geniuses behind all of the YouTube highlights for the races will be getting their hands on that raw material and doing wonderful short highlights to use for advertising the upcoming season. And for that point alone, I think it's totally worth it. But what was wrong with short highlights and, and quick reports about what happened in the day? It's not like there's a sense of urgency. I have to find out what time this car did the second it happened. The big thing I have about testing as well, the big stink is that the vast majority of teams will not bring significant parts to the test because they don't want to show them up. Last year, I think there were four teams, if I remember rightly, that brought a completely different car to Melbourne compared to what they ran in testing. Right. I think you're misunderstanding the whole point of testing. Sarah, you get in first and then I'll finish him off. Well, um, Zoe, uh, blah, blah. I, if, I don't know that if that's I'm pronouncing it correctly. I apologize if it's an actual thing rather than a, a nickname. Um, had a great point around watching stuff with a chat uh, to hand. And I think what Liberty are going to end up doing is using testing to A, get their production teams and yeah, everyone who's involved in that side of things a little bit more up to speed. And also one of the big, you know, coming back to the social media chat we had earlier is community development. 
And it's like one of the big things about social media is watching stuff live and talking about it whilst it's happening and testing's going to start that off. I reckon I reckon we might see some social media stuff that starts pushing that into overgear this year. So now for, that they've got their feet under like under the table. So for people though who have schedules say like myself where I now have a freelance day at home on Monday and I'll be working Chris. It'll be on in the background. I'm not going to be sat on the edge of my seat going <gasps> What happened in turn one? Oh, let's see how everybody's, you know, what speed are they taking through turn three? How much, how much adhesion have they got? Is, is Alonso going to spin and randomly point into the, the middle of turn three and then deny he passed out when he probably did? It's background viewing for hardcore F1 fans. Why, why would you deny this? And why can't you just let people enjoy things? I, I'm, I'm not going to deny them it. I just think it's, it's a lot of effort to put into something that I don't think reaps the rewards for F1. Uh, but I, well, I, I could be proven wrong on that aspect, but the, the having to pay aspect of it is kind of a big turnoff as well. Cause you do have to pay for it. And there are already people complaining, Oh, well, why is sky only showing half of testing? Oh, these millennials, Matt, always complaining about paying for things well, they want a free ride. They want the moon on a stick. Yeah, if you're not that interested, don't pay for it. Watch the highlights. If you are that interested, pay for it and enjoy every last second. Because I know that's what I'm going to do. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Matt, we're going to talk a little bit of tech now because we can't wake Summers from his slumber. It's the winter. And in the winter, Summers F1s go into caves and huddle up into a ball. But you are prodding that big bear with a stick, aren't you, Matt, to try and get him back on here? Uh, Yes, I am. We were actually talking about it today. His schedule is, um, how do you say, difficult at the moment. But he is committed to he's committed. It's just uh, we're waiting for the right opportunity, as it were. His lack Never. of commitment to the cause will be overlooked due to his past service. But please express that it is getting to unacceptable levels. Well, we have to turn to you as our source of tech news. Yeah, no. And this is this is um just to be clear. There's a very big differentiation between news and what I'm about to present. Let's we do it. would consider this to be. Uh, vaguely informed 
speculation, rumors, and whispers. Not all of everything I'm going to say is guaranteed to be 100% true, but we have it from, well, you know, sources. Does Mist Apex understand things again? Uh, Possibly we do. Oh, you tell us then. What does Mist Apex understand? Well, let's talk about McLaren because we've been able to dig up more information on them than anybody else. We know that the reveal date is Valentine's Day. Um, The crash tests crash tests have been done and we know that the car this year will be significantly different to last year's car they've reportedly not only recovered all of the downforce they lost through last year's ill design but they've actually added to that despite the new front wings and rear wings uh their gearbox is now going to be more compact they're going to redesign the rear suspension which is meant primarily to aid with cooling and the aerodynamic packaging now that they've had a year to look at the Renault power plant and sort of design it the way they want. Because remember, the switch was kind of last minute, so they sort of just bodged it in there as best they could. Happily enough for fans of the front half of the car, they've also extended the wheelbase. They've moved that front axle forward, which not only will solve their uh, stalling problem, but will give them more room to use the barge boards more effectively. Apparently, this was also part of some of their issues. We'll see slimmer side pods, kind of like Red Bulls, and a bigger and higher airbox and hoop to avoid disruption from the larger, taller rear wings that all of the cars will be running. And crucially, we're hearing that Renault are good for, in their newest power unit specification, an extra 50 horsepower but with the uh, sad tendency to munch the turbos rather more often than one might like. And for those of you who really like your tinfoil, we are hearing that they have discovered a loophole in the regulations related to sealing the diffuser, which is kind of like magnificently important. And that that design making use of the said loophole has already been approved by the FIA, but we don't know where in the regulations it is. Chris, I don't believe any of that at all. No, right. Here's why I'm not going to jump on the McLaren hype train is because 90% of what you just read out is the bare minimum of what I would expect in terms of solving the issues of last season, which they had to do, and then making it a bit better than what they had, they would have had last year, regardless of issues, because that's what everyone else is going to be doing as well. And finding it more horsepower from Renault, yeah, so are Ferrari and Mercedes. That's uh, there's nothing. There's nothing there to excite me. The the this thing about the floor loophole is potentially kind of cool, but again, potentially, you know, that's the only thing in there that makes me think. Oh, yeah, interesting. So I don't want to name and shame people in the chat room. Except that's a lie. I don't mind doing that at all. Thanks for joining us, by the way. Uh, Leo Fuju in there. In real time, I saw him type out quietly optimistic about mclaren and then very quickly that changed into message retracted and i think i think that is a really great representation of just how mclaren fans feel right now i think that's a a candidate for comment of the week the comment matt combined with the immediate retraction fair enough i'll chuck it in right then we've done quite a bit haven't we we've done quite a bit of news chris why don't you finish off this little tech bit for us and then we'll move on to the yelling at each other portion of the show i was going to say that leo put the comment back in again oh we did <laughs> he's, he's recommitted <laughs> that's uh that's funny that's made my night uh guys all right then 
Let's move on to arguing about drivers. And sorry, Chris, uh, you're trying to get in. Go on then. Come on. Let's squeeze it out. Well, I, I've noticed that Matt has put in, in the tech rumors section a lot about longer wheelbases, which apparently is a trend we're going to see a lot more of in 2019. I think Mercedes have taken a concept and kind of proven that across the board, a longer wheelbase is better to have uh, because you get more high speed stability. It's not great around the slower circuits, but I think across the season, that's going to be uh, a lot better. And it also works well with the with the new aerodynamic regulations we have for this year that will make monaco extra thrilling really just beat home your point chris when we see the most expensive prototype race series in the world struggling to get round a corner in what is essentially now a car park all right i just want to say a warm thank you and a massive massive air of gratitude to our patrons. I cannot exaggerate the effect the patrons have. I won't go into too much detail, but those who follow my media progress may have noticed I had some very difficult choices to make. Patreon was almost certainly the reason the show survived, for which I am grateful and delighted. Also, I'm surprised that the backing has actually increased over the winter, even though we lost quite a few as the season ended. So thank you very much to our new patrons. I am trying to make it worthwhile being a patron. So here are some benefits. Uh, The existing benefit we had was a warm, fluffy feeling that you're supporting online content creators that you hope will continue to to produce content, which isn't really that amazing. So we've added an ad-free RSS feed for all our patrons. We are also making sure that you are the first to know about all Missed Apex upcoming events and you get first dibs on places. In addition... Matt and I are going to start recording some Patreon-only Wafflecasts on a Monday. And that's twofold, isn't it, Matt? Firstly, we we wanted to deliver some extra content since we've, we've cut down on our post-show waffles. But also, you and I kind of need to keep our podcasting hand in for when we eventually resurrect some form of dad hub. Exactly. We want to keep that looser, freer-flowing possibly not always entirely safe for work kind of vibe. And I'll set the caveat that we won't edit it. So we will press record and all we will edit is just to trim the silences that are created by Skype. Everything else will be in there. So it'll be a bit of a stream of consciousness, a little bit inside baseball, a little bit, you know, what did we think about the show? We go, oh, Sarah, she was on for the second time. You know, she didn't she didn't hit the desk that much this time. So that's good. That's progress. Uh, sparkles. Oh, all his points were ridiculous. Can you believe he doesn't like testing? But crucially, Matt, in those recordings, they won't be there to defend themselves. Yes, that'll be the best part of all. And on a personal note, if you, like me, are interested in things like laminar flow, tire squirt, and would like to know what a Reynolds number is, and no, I can tell you now it's not how thin your tin flow is, then also I feel like you should absolutely chuck up the minimum and become a patron because uni is in session. We have an F1 tech channel in the Slack group, <laughs> and not only do we have people who are actual professionals in fields like aerodynamics and engineering, but our very own resident tech expert, Summers, occasionally does come out to play. So please, if you're interested in this sort of thing, really do consider it. Uh, look, it's not, it, I, mean, I never really push the Slack as a perk, but it is a nice forum that all the patrons are in. So you get invited to a, a private Slack group as well, which is just a nice place to hang out. We have a Formula E channel in that Slack chat as well with Formula E expert me. No one goes there. Uh- your your Formula E channel is the Luton of Slack channels. No one oh. goes there or ever should. 
So please consider consider supporting Missed Apex podcast at patreon.com slash Missed Apex. All right, Matt, let's argue about drivers. How does this work? We have reviewed quite a few drivers, but we've only like done about half the grid, I think. Yeah, we're about halfway through the grid because, you know, we sort of tack because here's what happens. It'll be Thursday and you'll be like, there's no news for a show and panic. I will be like, we got driver awards. And then by the time we get to Sunday, we have 45 minutes of news. And then we don't get through very many drivers. I nearly just said, let's just sit and chew through the news because there's actually tons of news. But uh, no, I want to get through this mainly because Eddie Irvine gave us a no-brainer kickoff article to set our, our driver awards in motion. All right. Well, shall we let Stephen start with that then? Let's do it. Eddie Irvine has opinions, Chris, and he lets us know about them. Yeah, this was um, interesting um, because I love it when an XF1 driver decides to chip in on the current grid and usually say something just wrong and out of whack, uh, unlike a certain 1997 world champion. The comment in question uh, was largely around Sebastian Vettel. The quote was, massively overrated one trick pony um but i would also like to point out that not five minutes later irvine also points out that he doesn't watch f1 anymore because it bores him so let's take this with a pinch of salt so how does he know exactly exactly it's almost as bad as what Villeneuve does here's the thing he said he said how he won those four titles i don't know or something along those lines i'll find the exact quote in a minute well why are you commenting then? It was quite obvious to anyone watching what was happening. So also in this interview, he goes on to say that Hamilton hasn't had competition and therefore this title somehow means a bit less because he had the best car and that's not what Schumacher had to put up with back in his day. I mean, there's just so much wrong and so much I have to disagree with in 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 this interview. I mean, he's he's perfectly entitled to his opinion but if you say all this and then follow it up with i don't watch formula one anymore then i'm not gonna take that opinion too seriously so is it like villeneuve where he relishes i think villeneuve in getting people's backs up and just spewing his opinion or is he trying to keep himself relevant or is this what he actually thinks that's what we've got to try and unpack because if he wants to get to the the conclusion that that vettel is a one-trick pony it's harsh. I would say it's harsh, Sarah. We don't actually know your opinions on, on Vettel. Why don't you give us a quick rundown? Is he a one-trick pony who fluked, who fluked four world titles? How do you fluke four world titles? I just, I can't, know. I'm not a fan of Vettel per se. I've got a lot of respect for him. He's one of the more mature drivers in terms of how he treats his team and how he treats other drivers, and that's something I've got a lot of respect for. Him I don't really like, but you can't deny the guy is a brilliant driver through and through. And whether it just happened that the stars aligned, and that's the thing, you have to be brilliant and the stars have to align in terms of all the other things. The work has to be in, in so many different places. I I don't understand why this guy's getting airtime these days to be fair i'm just kind of to me it's just like yeah and uh you don't watch it like you said you don't watch it chris is, is it okay to say 
Vettel's four titles, maybe they're not the best four titles. Two of them were certainly exciting, but you, they're not the worst. I mean, it's it's not it's not a button title, is it? Oh, no. he didn't go there. Yes, he did. No, I have to disagree with your button theory. But, oh, no, I'm joking. Don't email me. Oh, it's it's so frustrating because I can see the angle he's he's coming from. I can because Vettel is amazing at getting into the front of a Grand Prix and just controlling a race. He is sublime at it. And yeah, that's his strongest quality. But to say he can't do anything else is utterly ridiculous. And yeah, okay, rule changes helped him out at times it helped red bull out at times like the tire changes in the middle of the 2013 season and how red bull just got on top of the blown diffusers at their peak in 2011 but he was still utterly destroying mark webber in those seasons and he had great great competition in the first half of 2013 the whole of 2012 and all of 2010 as well you just cannot say that the word the words fluky or overrated just cannot apply to this man. Now, hang on a minute. I think overrated can, because if you rate him as a four-time world champion and you put him in the rankings of F1 drivers purely based on that, that makes him like the fifth best world world champion of all time. I don't think he's the fifth best. I wouldn't put Vettel in my top five. But here's a point. Here's a point that isn't too crazy. Here's the quote from Irvine Vettel. When he is racing someone and focused on the other guy, inevitably he crashes into the other guy, which happens nearly all the time. And that's quite true. No, if Irvine is talking about this and he doesn't watch F1, he's heard about it because it's been talked about on social media and on podcasts like this more than it has been. Because, yeah, in 2018, he did make a lot of mistakes. But guess what? He's done eight or nine other years where he didn't make all those kinds of mistakes i mean 2012 in particular he made some stunning moves that year trumpets weigh in irvine wrong vettel overrated and then we'll, well go to the awards as well yep no worries so uh, as as to vettel i think it i think right now it would be easy to state and support the argument that he's very 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 good he's certainly good enough to win a world championship if you put him in the right machinery Agreed. But I wouldn't put him on the same level as Hamilton right now. I just I just wouldn't. And I believe, uh, based on Erudite 450 in the chat room, is that that was the nut of the comment that Irvine was making, that that Vettel is not as good as Hamilton and not the level of competition that we would like to see Hamilton having. Doesn't mean he's bad. Doesn't mean he's not a world driver championship material but it kind of is true the thing is i think anyone is world championship material in the right machinery formula one is 90 percent car uh and and 10 percent driver nah. but that's that's beyond no i 100 agree with you though that i wouldn't put him on the same level as current lewis hamilton because he is just in an, another league like schumacher was in his era we, this is the bit where we all yell at chris you first matt yeah, okay, so explain Hulkenberg's <laughs> lack of podium to me if anybody could win in the right car. It's not true. There are drivers who can, there are drivers who can't. Vettel is clearly, clearly, very clearly one who can. Put Lance Stroll in Hamilton's car this season and Vettel is a five-time world champion. Uh, a debate. Right, given the right <laughs> machinery, all right? 
you got to... Okay, fine. Give Lance Stroll a car that's three seconds a lap quicker, and yeah, maybe he would start Let's winning. give Lance Stroll the car that has won the last 10 available championships. Right, but the, the right machinery doesn't necessarily mean that one just that one, one driver won a championship in. I'm not saying if you threw Stroll into the Merc that he would have won the championship, but it is all about the right machinery. Okay, but I think it's fair to... Nobody here is seriously saying that Vettel is a bad driver, and I don't think we've ever suggested that. I think we've suggested at the very highest level, against the very highest competition, in the very most stressful, tight championship circumstances he is not always optimum is that's not really an insult is it i mean he's among the very best in the world yeah no it's no insult at all and the differences at this level are so marginal i mean you know you're talking hundredth hundredths per corner kind of differences add up to race wins versus versus out of the points all right let's talk awards let's since we were talking about vettel would you like to start with him yes all right. Well, first up for our friend Sebastian Vettel, he is up for the Pirouette Award for Distinguished Spins During a Race. Um, I see Italy, USA, Japan, etc. listed underneath as supporting evidence. Wait a minute. If it's a pirouette, must he rotate or is it any crash? No, I, I think the rotations, the spins, remember all the mystery spins, the missing downforce, the uh. hole in the down. So that's all the wheel-to-wheel stuff. So we're not talking about Germany. We're talking more, you know, France. Um, was it France he spun there? Brazil? I'm I'm just pulling random Grand Prix out. But yeah, the ones where he was wheel-to-wheel. Mo- uh, Monza? There we go. Yeah. Oh, you actually wrote them down for me. Thank you. Uh, Italy, USA, Japan. There we go. Um, you missed France off of there. I'm sure he spun and hit Bottas in France as well. I think he hit... I, I'm not quite sure the order of affairs there. Chris looks like he really wants to weigh in. Go ahead. He locked up and clattered into the side of him. That's why it wasn't on the list. Well, he yes. made Bottas spin. So I think I think that is included in there. What other awards is Vettel up for? It, he's up for the Do I Have to Do Everything Around Here Award for his excellence in managing the team in Spa. Specifically, the quote, lift the car up, you'll crush the floor, being a wonderful example. And, and uh, oh, I suppose, uh, yeah, him having to manage the team. That was quite a big one. And he's just ousted... Ariba Vene as well. So let's throw into the mix that he's got rid of the the manager. I'm not sure if if that's how it actually worked out, but that's a good enough assumption as any to go on. Uh, what's the third award he's up for? Uh, third, possibly my favorite, is the You Break It, You Buy It award for his wanton destruction of the FIA Weybridge in Brazil. That was amazing. Absolutely incredible. And that that is a great sign sometimes of how his mentality can bubble over because Sarah was talking about him being a very mature driver on camera. He certainly is Sarah, but when, when the helmet's on and he's sometimes, (laughs) uh, you know, disguised a little bit by the helmet, he does definitely have a temper under there. I never said being mature meant you were perfect all the time. I must admit. Um, I think that's my favorite award, actually the breaking the way bridge. Uh, He, I think it's when, at the beginning of the year, he was much better at like talking about the mistake afterwards. But in by the end of the year, it was just kind of gone. I think a lot of it had dripped away. Sorry, Chris. No, it's fine. I was going to nominate a Italian teacher award, given that most of the Italian I know comes from Sebastian Vettel's team radio when he wins. <laughs> I do wonder, like, has he just learned some key phrases or does he have an understanding of Italian? Does anyone know? 
because I, I would I would just be scared of just pronouncing it wrong. Or as ha- has happened to me on certain assignments, people have taught me deliberately rude words and said that they meant uh, normal things, and then I've gone around being quite rude. Um, I don't know about that, but I do have one other award, which award, which was uh, when he uh, crashed in the rain. And it was just the most perfect meme crash ever. UPS versus, was it DHL barrier he'd crashed into? <laughs> and he ha- he's got the UPS uh, stuff on his um, on his car. So I think that was one of the best crash memes from the whole season. What are we going to settle for? Should we settle for the You Break It, You Buy It award? Because the Weybridge incident, Matt, was one of the sort of key, key incidents and key moments just as his title challenge was unravelling. Yeah, it is kind of my favorite just because, you know, I hear it all the time. And look, nobody here is slating Vettel as a good driver. He is a key player in F1 and he is a key factor in how competitive and how exciting next season is going to be. Because I fully predict next season is still going to be Ferrari versus Mercedes, no one else. And it's going to be Hamilton, not Bottas. And it's going to be whoever emerges from Leclerc and Vettel who's going to be the ones that are competing for it. So, you know, nobody here is saying that Vettel is, you know, should be running in the midfield or something like that. No, nobody. Good. Let's now shout about Lewis Hamilton, who is the other person who is going to be vying for a title in 2019. We assume, shall we give him some awards? In fact, before we do that, Eddie Irvine, Chris, had some comments about Hamilton as well. Not as good as Schumacher, not in the same league at all. Well, Irvine was a teammate to Schumacher and knows firsthand exactly what he was up against. But now then, it does it does give him a, a, a motivated reasoning bias here, doesn't it? Because if he elevates Schumacher to be better than Hamilton, that obviously makes him look a lot better. Uh, you're never going to be able to compare no, that's my issue with it. You can't compare because they've just driven in totally different times before. I know there was a, a crossover during Schumacher's return, but let's face it, the Schumacher that came back to F1 wasn't the same Schumacher that left it. True. But he also says that Schumacher was better than Senna, who and Senna was flawed in his driving technique, according to Irvine as well, which I'm sure upset no one. You, you can argue all of these things because I think the vast majority of this comes down to a matter of opinion. And he's entitled to his. Well, in your opinion, Matt, what are the awards that Lewis Hamilton is eligible for in this missed apex realm? Not surprisingly, we had a lot of input from the panelists on this one. The first award we have him up for is the slashy award for best driver slash male model and not the other way around. And that, for those of you who are not playing along, at home, I believe is a Zoolander reference. So we're sort of referring to Lewis Hamilton's penchant for being quite the celebrity. Sarah, do you think he comes under too much slack for that or should he keep it more separate? Let's be fair. Lewis Hamilton, I'm a massive fan of him. He's a big show off and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Big show offs. The right, the right word there. Um, I, it's all play to him. It works for him. It helps him get results on the track so so why not i mean if you don't want to see all the social media stuff don't follow him yeah you make a good point you don't have to follow him on social media it's not compulsory also if you were lewis hamilton you'd brag about it a little bit wouldn't you if you were a five-time f1 world champion with the lifestyle that he's got you would just brag about it people brag about what they had for dinner on instagram 
So, Although he didn't, he didn't technically brag about actually being the person on that track that was released. Was that? Did it? Was it actually officially announced as him, or was it all just like a? No, that's a good point. No, it wasn't. Music. I don't think it was announced by him at all. So there was lots of rumour. So yeah, there mm. you go. So he wasn't a show off there because maybe he wasn't as confident. But I think Chris makes a great point. Can you imagine if I had Lewis Hamilton uh, style social media reach? I'd be insufferable. And I think anyone would. You get into a bubble where just everybody tells you you're right all the time. I think Lewis Hamilton, you can't judge him by Dave from the chip shop standards. You've got to judge him by megastar standards, and that, that's what he's like. So you've got to look at Mariah Carey, who will only be photographed from one side. You've got to put him in you know, the realms of you know, Michael Jackson and all those guys who are under so much pressure. And they are surrounded by people who are constantly being yes-men. And I will say, though, I, I didn't mind when he turned up to Wimbledon and got rejected because I thought, well, OK, tennis dress codes, they're a bit silly. But he posted on his Instagram playing golf in shorts – you're messing with golf now, Lewis. You've gone too far. Right. What other awards is Lewis up for, Matt? He is also up for the Did I Just Do That award for his Singapore Quali Lab because, well, damn, that was fast. So this one doesn't get my vote. And it's because if Verstappen had a proper working engine, he probably would have been on pole that day. Not to take anything away from the lab, which was spectacular. But I think the fact that Verstappen w- was getting close and would have been even closer kind of takes takes away the, the award element of it. You will now hear an old American yelling at a young English boy. I just, like, I cannot even. There is no way anyone would have beaten Hamilton to pole, regardless of what car they were in. That was one of the most... That was about as close to optimum, as close to 100% as you're ever going to see anyone get out of a car, period, end of. And um, no, no, I you know, agree. you're going to make this argument, blah, blah, blah. But no, no, Verstappen would not have pulled it off, period. I, I agree with your point about Lewis's lap, but Verstappen was losing, losing time because his engine was spluttering the whole way around the, the lap. And even so, what was the gap in the end? Something like three, four tenths? That's that's doable if his engine was working properly. So I'm just I, I just don't think it is the award the award of the day. Let's do the last award then that Lewis is lined up for. Uh, well, we have two more. Uh, we have the Better to Ask Forgiveness Award, which was for crashing uh, while testing his superbike without necessarily telling the team ahead of time that that was what he was up to. And as the story goes, after hearing about it, Toto tried to get in touch with him. But for some reason, he wasn't answering his phone and eventually got in touch with one of the engineers who admitted they might have been there. And it's possible that he did fall off the bike. Oh, man. This- yeah, <laughs> he definitely fell off the bike. I think that was well reported. But it's it's so the kind of thing that dads go through. So when me and Treeface are out and we go and do stuff that well, we really can't tell whether mum will say yes or no. Let's just do it. Because if we do it, Chris, I've got more options. A, she might never find out, so it might be okay. Uh, B, we might get away with it incident free and then go see it was fine. <laughs> or C, something does happen that's bad. And then I can, uh, then I've got the uh, option to blame it on something else. No, I love this one. This is the one that gets my vote because I find it utterly hilarious because you know Mercedes is like, oh no, you can't test a superbike. That's far too dangerous. Yeah, and it also means that Lewis will definitely have not gotten a uh, bike for Christmas from Mercedes, for sure. 
And he wouldn't have been able to show off how fairly good he is on a motorcycle, actually, because even the superbike is like, oh, he's doing pretty well for a uh, first test. And the last award, Matt. And the last award is uh, Singing in the Rain Award before his utter and crushing dominance in the rain. Say, for example, Germany, where he went 14th to 1st because the wet stuff fell from the sky. Well, that's it. Rainmaster, isn't he? To be fair, there's no one has touched him for rain. They used to call Schumacher the Rainmaster, but I think I think Hamilton is better than Schumacher in the rain. That will be a non-controversial opinion, I'm sure. But certainly in this generation of drivers, even Verstappen, oh man, I'm just seeing YouTube comments and emails now. I'm going to stick by my guns. Even Verstappen cannot rival Lewis Hamilton in the rain. He is consistently better than everyone as soon as stuff falls from the sky. You cowards. None of you are willing to chime in. Just because of the Orange Army. That's fair enough. All right, then. So, Chris, do you want to choose one of those awards? I'll let you pick which one he gets. Oh, oh you know which one I'm going to go for. The Better Ask for Forgiveness Award. <laughs> I love it. I do like the kind of, you know, the naughty schoolboy image of Lewis Hamilton going, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to definitely risk myself by going on motorbikes, which are witchcraft, falling off them, etc. What is it? Can what you, is it, Chris? Can you imagine if he'd hurt himself doing that, though? Wouldn't have been great. It wouldn't have been great. Guys, thank you very much for joining us for another off-season edition of Missed Apex Podcast. You can follow Chris Stevens at Chris underscore changed my Twitter handle because the bigger boys bullied me underscore who cares. Just search Chris Stevens dot co dot Twitter. Or just go at Chris on racing on Twitter. Chris on racing. That's what you've gone for. Look, it's hard to come up with a new Twitter handle that isn't specific to a series or a specific job I do that isn't already taken. I think you've made it look a lot harder than it is, but whatever. So Chris on racing on Twitter. So we're going to be doing an e-radio show uh, on uh, Tuesday night, 7.30pm UK time to discuss the Santiago e-pre. Go and subscribe to e-radio show on YouTube. And I will only say, if you're the kind of person who loves to howl about stupid Formula One penalties, boy, is this show going to be for you. And as a bonus, I'm not on it this week because I haven't been invited back. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Matt, people can catch up with you for stuff. Yes, they can. They can catch up with me at MattPT55 on the Twitters. And I have a very special... Special thing to plug, my wife's latest novel, The One I Love to Hate, is now available for pre-sale on Amazon and all of those other good places. So if you need a reason to occupy the television for two weeks in late February to the beginning of March for testing, testing, do consider buying some of my wife's books for your favorite non-F1 person to entertain themselves with. So it's uh, A. Weaver writes on Twitter. Now, wasn't she planning on doing a Formula One book, a saucy Formula One book? Because her books are a bit mucky. Um, and she actually has written it. It's out. Is it out? It's not been published yet. Oh, yet. So there's going to be yeah. a mucky F1 book. Wow. That, there's some. <laughs> we're working on it. So uh, did you have to give her all the interesting facts about Formula One? And did she like probe you about, you know, who who's who's famous and who's not and what are clever things to say about it? Yeah, well, it turns out 
the, the way I really got her into it was uh, the Macau race. Uh, one of the Habsburgs was actually racing. I'm like, did you know there's a prince actually racing cars? She's like, no, really, show me this thing. And after watching it, she was she was intrigued. Um, but I'll, I'll give you an idea, because this made me laugh, of how the process works. She's like, I need a racy scene where the driver is doing a racy thing. Can you help me? And I, I would be like, yes, or I need a technical scene. I'm like, yes, I have just the thing. And I would spend, I don't know, four or five days doing research. I'd write about a 10-page thing. And then she'd be like, thank you so much. And it would be like a paragraph in her book. <laughs> Why doesn't she just listen to Miss Apex podcast to get all- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She'd rather watch cooking shows. What can I say? Sarah Nicole, hello. Thanks for hanging out with us. If people want to get more of you, can they? They can. Uh, I'm on Instagram and the Twitters uh, at Decoding Dragons. Uh, very old Twitter handle, but uh, it's there. I talk about not so much on the Twitter, but uh, I'll put I put up photos of cars and things like that on my Instagram from time to time as I'm into my photography. At so. Decoding Dragons makes you sound yeah. like you might just be a bit of a nerd, Sarah. You do wear glasses. What gave it away? Was it just the glasses? Was it just the glasses or is it the mention of dragons? So, uh, yeah, a bit of a nerd. So do you do D&D where someone just is like the dungeon master and just makes up what's happening? I've never actually done that. No, but I used to play Warcraft many years ago. I used to write for uh, some of the Warcraft outlets. And uh, currently my boyfriend and I are talking about what, what, what? what i used to i just haven't for many years chris is de- for any for anyone who wasn't watching chris's video is just uh apparently i should shut up now no no i wanted to hear about your nerd extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> that was directed at spanners like oh chris is gonna say something about all this dungeon stuff and i'm like no i'm not <laughs> chris also wears glasses by the way you should be careful with that chris because girls <laughs> Don't make passes at boys who wear glasses. Thank you for hanging out with us in the off-season. Matthew Carter sent his apologies for this week. He will be with us very shortly and will try and wake up uh, Uncle Joe as well from his winter hibernation. But he does tend to take it easy over the winter. We definitely want those guys back. Just a quick reminder, there are three ways you can come and hang out with us in person. On the 16th of March, we're going to Milton Keynes Simply Race. That is Sim Racing. They have 15 three-screen monitor pod setups. And you can come and race with us. I think we're going to do Barcelona, even though Chris is whinging about it. So we're going to do the Barcelona Grand Prix circuit in something like a Renault 2.0 or something like that. I've got nothing against the Barcelona F1 circuit. I think it's class, minus the chicane. And also Chris is trying to weasel into just a commentary role because he's beaten me in one simulator and he doesn't want a rematch what a coward i I don't want to embarrass you spanners any more than you already have been he refuses to come six seconds well if you want to rest on that that glory forever i guess i can't blame you however he might be there racing in any case we will be there i think jeans is coming down as well i think bradley philpot will be there too so we'll do some kind of live podcast while we're there and we'll definitely have some beers that's the 16th of march get in touch with me spannersready at gmail.com or search spanners ready on any social media my dms are always open slide on in there the other way you can hang out with us is by coming carting with us on the 20th of April, that's Easter Saturday, that's our big spring extravaganza where we'll be doing karting all afternoon, a live show again, and some entertainments. And uh, that's at Rye House. And we are going down there on Tuesday to recce it. 
So we're going to do sound checks and stuff, but we're also going to do a bit of karting. There is a session that we're in. And if you want the link to that, get in touch with me. I'll send you a link to the session we're in and you can come and join us for a bit of a practice. You can follow me on Twitter at SpannersReady or the show at MissedApexF1. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This is Missed Apex. I'm like, what are those frantic hand signals? It's the end of the show. Why is anyone trying to get my attention? What could it be? And then I instantly knew. Guess we've just got to style it out at this point. All right. And as usual, our post-outro music feature... Comment of the Week. Hey, Matt. I know you put a lot of effort into comment of the week. I don't want you to feel like it's a personal insult that I don't care about that effort or this segment. So would you still be okay to do comment of the week, please? Sorry. Just this time. The audio listeners won't have heard your sulky pause there because I'll have edited edited it out. Yeah, no worries. Uh, So how many am I limited to today? Four. I've increased by one. That's horrible. All right. Good thing I can't count carefully. Working backwards, Josh Covey. Chris Stevens should have changed it to Chris Dude 2K. <laughs> That's like burning two people at once. It definitely should have been Chris underscore 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 Stevens. That would have been a killer, Chris. How did you not go for that? Oh, man. Uh, Nuripian, uh, teak discussions on Slack, reclining garden cha- armchairs explained, and would Alonzo use them? Okay. okay. I, I thought, because, you know, the whole Alonzo in the armchair, I was talking about the tech channel. Oh, the uh, the F1 tech channel that I definitely pay loads of attention to. The, it, is, uh-huh. it is like a written down version of tech time in there, because Summers does hang out in our F1 tech Slack. I try and keep up, but it does get a bit... It gets a bit wordy, if I'm honest, Matt. I'm not much of a reader, not since Netflix became good. No, it, it is it is difficult to keep up with it sometimes. I'm I'm behind a little bit myself. Uh, moving on. Oh, no, it, it's not pertinent to comment of the week. I just realized we didn't plug E-Radio. Put Uh-oh. your hand down. That's a terrible interruption. You suck. Okay, I, I'll have to edit that I out. It as a gesture to come in. Matt, I'll I'll edit something in for you. Matt. It's no problem. No problem at all. We have Blackout 19 back with, with a long enough wheelbase, you can cover the inside and outside line at hairpins. Yeah. See, they're not thinking. That's smart. Blackout is clever when it comes to tech stuff. Indeed. And of course, our very own Sam Watley. The only way that floor hole is relevant is if they can allow the drivers to Flintstone it. This is McLaren's new floor. <laughs> Is that what you're going to have Lando Norris in there giving it? Diddly, 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 diddly. That's funny. I like it. Yeah. Yes, there were more, but you limited me to four. So that's those are the ones that I picked. You have to pick a winner. I do, don't I? Oh, wow. Um, Going to go with Josh Covey today. Congratulations. At Chris Stevens should have changed it to Chris Dude 2K. Comment of the week. I'm hearing universities are accepting comment of the weeks as official qualifications now. So that's good news for everyone.
Yeah, it is. It is indeed. Although I immediately see I chose wrongly because the chat room would have preferred the Flintstones one. Oh, well, sorry. I'll get it right next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.